This is the Bad Guess Gun Podcast. One nation, one tribe. This podcast is produced on Treaty 8 territory, the traditional territories of the many First Nation, Métis, and Inuit. We would like to express our gratitude and respect for this land and all those who reside here both past and present. We are all treaty people, one nation, one tribe. Hi listeners, my name is Kara Jones and I'm the program coordinator for the Bia Guskun Podcast Initiative with the Grand Prairie Friendship Center in, you guessed it, Grand Prairie, Alberta. As a multimedia artist and youth advocate, I was thrilled, well, let's get real, I was so, so excited to be asked to take on this role. So I left my home province of Nova Scotia to travel across the country to support the podcast. Grand Prairie has become my second home since 2014, and the Friendship Center has become part of my forever family. For those of you listening who might not know what a Friendship Center is, here's a little bit of a background. The Grand Prairie Friendship Center was founded in 1965 to administer and implement programs to meet the needs of Indigenous people migrating to or living in cities, while also bridging the cultural gap between Indigenous and non-Indigenous communities. In cooperation with community agencies, the staff works vigilantly to remove barriers the Indigenous community experiences daily, and the Friendship Centre is one of many Friendship Centres across Canada. I invite you to go learn more about the Friendship Centre movement and be a part of it. It truly is an inspiring organization. I've worked for many different organizations, but the Friendship Center has remained at the top of my list when it comes to community development, leadership, and definitely when it comes to camaraderie. That is why I think it's the perfect place to host this podcast program. And it brings together multicultural youth and different generations to learn about how we can work together and discuss really difficult topics such as racism, truth and reconciliation, 2S LGBTQ plus perspectives, disabilities, and much more. Anyone who knows me knows how much I love working with young people for many reasons. When we provide spaces for them to grow as leaders, share their ideas and insights to current social problems, while also encouraging them to share their voices, let's just say there's a lot we can learn from the younger generations. That's why I'm excited to share this interview that I did with one of the participants, Kaylee Nitsidza. Kaylee may only be 19 years old, but she is definitely beyond her years, and she's an aspiring journalist who has already had some of her work published. When I hear the passion in her voice when she speaks about storytelling, sharing her culture, and taking on being a role model for the young people in her community in the Northwest Territories, she makes it difficult to not feel inspired. Here is our conversation. So my name is Kaylee Nitsiza and I just moved to Grand Prairie in the summer of 2021 because I wanted to pursue my education which is somewhat limited in the Northwest Territories where I'm from. There's definitely more opportunities here in Alberta which is why like a lot of people like myself move to the South to pursue their education. I really love the Northwest Territories because it's where my home and culture is. I moved for my education because I want to, I really want to like learn skills that I can use to help my community, like 
like right now I'm doing my um my journalism mentorship because I want to be a a news reporter for Native communities and really help amplify their voices. So I'm doing my training for that right now so I can return to my community and help them out with that. I was telling you a bit about like Canada land and, you know, they cover a lot of um, diverse topics around how journalism is dying and and how they're reviving it and changing the way it is. And they do speak a lot about Indigenous and with Indigenous journalism uh, professionals, right? Mm -hmm. About how you get those stories told. What are some stories that you would love to tell or some people that you'd love to interview as a journalist? What's, what's something that you find like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait. This is my top 10, number three on the list or whatever. <laughs> like, There's always people that we want to interview. That's what keeps me in this job. That's what keeps me as a student in journalism because like, I love, t I love finding stories. I love discovering them. I love like telling them. I love analyzing them. That's why, that's why journalism is such a like, it's such a good career for indigenous people because that's like, that's naturally who we are. We're naturally storytellers and we're naturally meant to be like traveling and like communicating and like connecting with like all these different things around us which is what you said really made me realize that journalism should definitely be a career for every indigenous storyteller I love that because that's really what this how this podcast started the initiative was around capturing the differences in generational knowledge and perspectives yeah and and how the fact that as a young person, you see the value in capturing the elders' perspectives and lives. Is there any elder in particular you think of that you would like to capture their story from your community or here? Yeah, definitely my top objective for my personal journalism career is I want to connect with the elders in my community and really amplify their voices and hear what they have to say because much like much like journalism you know they're they're not getting any any younger you know <laughs> that doesn't make sense with journalism what I meant to say is they're not getting any younger and I would like to hear what they say while they while they're still able to communicate what they want to say you were telling me a little bit about how your grandfather suffered adversity from experiencing polio and being in a wheelchair. He really inspires you, I can tell. Talk to me more about that. Yeah, so my grandpa comes from a family of very dedicated and traditional people. Like his father was Jimmy Nitsiza, who was a very respected chief in his time. And he also, like his father, Jimmy Nassiza, raised two sons to be chief. And then there's also my grandpa, who's a very, he's been a hardworking businessman for like decades. He's, he's been an accountant and he's also been, like my grandpa, he's been involved with our community as um. A community council member for many years and he also 
another reason I look up to him is because when I was growing up, he ran, he ran, he had, he was actually running a business for twenty years. He ran um a local convenience store, which was it was one of the two only stores in our community. How many people are in your community? It's about five hundred, somewhere around there. It's the second biggest Clicho community out of the four communities. Five hundred. That's pretty small. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Awesome. It is awesome because my grandpa, like like I said, his store was one of the only two store in, stores in town and at one point, it was so successful that it almost put the other store out of business. Business Because his store was a convenience store. It was called Alex's Confectionery. And it sold so many convenient things. <laughs> like, besides the um, confectionery business, like, you know, the food, the snacks, the, you know, convenience store things, the... The community, it gave back to the community in other ways by, like, my grandpa, he liked to, he liked to, um, like, help people and get them involved by, like, what he did with his store was, um, when, on loading days, when they got new products, he would, he would always invite the high school students who were on their lunch break to, um, to help them, like, unload the boxes, and he would pay them for their time, because they're high school students, and... He would also give out um like loans to community members if they asked for it. So he was he's a very strong he's been a very strong businessman who like his whole life he's just always been giving his best to the community. And he still does that to this day by being um a community council member. He's on the I believe he's in the education board. So I look up to him in so many different ways. And I can see how someone like him would be such a role model for you getting into something like journalism, especially if he's telling and sharing all those stories. So when I grew up, I was Generation X and we had a lot of baby boomer generation before us, right? And there wasn't a whole lot of mentoring. We were expected to go to university, come out and get a job. And that never happens for a lot of people, right? It didn't happen for a lot of people. But I'm noticing the shift now um, that maybe Generation X and the millennials are seeing how important it is to have those mentorship opportunities and relationships. What, besides your grandfather, um, why is mentorship important for people who are trying to advance in their career? It really just goes with the circle of life. I think, because we can't move forward with our experiences without, like, learning from the wisdom of the past that, like, older generations can give us. And personally, as a student, I'm I'm realizing the value of that more and more as I learn on my journey, because there's just, there's just some learning materials, or there's just some things that you need to learn where like all the materials that you need to learn it aren't immediately or not immediately the materials aren't like necessarily available to you and like that can be confusing as a student and it really it really helps to have 
those people to turn to when you have these questions. Oh my God, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. It's so frustrating because I mean, I realize the power I, of social media and the internet and all the accessibility to videos that can teach you anything, but you right. still can't shout out to the person in the video and say, what did you mean by that? Mm -hmm. And can you get a little bit more and like, what does that word mean? Or, you know? Yeah, it's very two-dimensional learning. Yeah, it and, really is. And what I found is that, what I found in my experience as an Indigenous youth is that, like, we're not made for two-dimensional learning. We're... <laughs> Our DNA is built for, you know, like traveling, hard working, like doing all these things that we need to do in order to survive. And like, we can't do that alone. Yes. Yeah, yeah you can't. And, you know, it's one of the things that I, once I started to work with the Friendship Center and the Indigenous community, how can you go back? I can't. It's really challenging because there's such a sense of, oh, the community feeling and the, and everybody together working and to a common goal. Like it, it's something that other spaces need to learn. It's really something that can't be, that can't be like replicated. How do you think journalism could incorporate some of those teachings? Because right now, like you said, it's very, it could be very two dimensional. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you think you could incorporate Indigenous ways of being into writing? Do you see, like, opportunities for incorporating more traditional ways of being into writing? Are seven sacred teachings something part of your nation and your culture? No, we don't have... We don't have something that's specifically like that, but we do have the 12 Dene laws, which which are still taught to this day. What are they? Do you know them off by heart? I know the the number one rule, like the umbrella law of the Dene laws is um, share what you have. That's, I know that's like the first and foremost law of the 12 different ones. And they, they generally like do just try to bring, try to bring up the importance of like indigenous ways of being because it's it's the laws that were set out for us back in the old days, you know, like when people lived on the land to ensure that like we could survive together on the land. And it's the laws are like centered around they're mainly centered around just like respect, cooperation and like gener generally caring for the land because like that's how that's how survival worked back in the old days back in living on the land and they're still taught to this day because they're those teachings are immemorial basically i i think that's amazing so for the final question i'm going to ask you for today because i'll be asking you many questions and this is our first actual recording that's working well i'm so excited <laughs> what kind of advice would you give younger people who might be in a position that you were in um, wondering about what they're going to do with their future or things, you know, might seem unattainable to them. What are some things that you learned that might inspire them? I'd say go back to your childhood. Go 
back to your younger self and just really think about what you really wanted, what gave you the most life, what gave the most to your life back then. Because for me, it was, I was always interested in the culture. I was, I always felt very connected to the storytelling side of our culture. I always, I loved the, the creation stories and the hearing about our Dede legends. So I was always getting myself into like, you know, imagining these stories and like drawing them out. And as I got a little bit older, I started writing them out. And I realized that storytelling and writing is something that I really want to do in my life. And just like following my interests is what led me to my journalism career today. I bet many of you listeners understand what I'm speaking about now. She truly is an inspiration, and I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode as much as I enjoyed interviewing her. Like I said in the introduction, there is so much that we can learn from our younger generation. This podcast would not be possible without the support from Canadian Heritage. Please don't forget to subscribe because every little bit helps spread the word about the incredible work these youth are creating. If you'd like to learn more about the program, you can also visit our website and the link will be available in our show notes. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Biggest Gun Podcast. One nation, one tribe.